0: Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fin's up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is December 4th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via The Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over my preview of the game between the Miami Dolphins and the Cincinnati Bengals, a game that was supposed to be really exciting, a matchup between, hopefully, Tua and Joe Burrow, but as it stands right now, Tua might not be playing, and then we all know uh, Joe Burrow suffered that horrific knee injury, so really changes the whole scope of this game. Now, the Miami Dolphins, who are 7-4 7 and 4 will face off against the Cincinnati Bengals who are 2-8-1 this Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. The Dolphins are coming off of another strong performance against the New York Jets that was led by Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Bengals on the other hand have lost 6 of their last 7 games and will have Brandon Allen making his second start of the season replacing the of course injured Joe Burrow. So We'll begin by taking a look at the Miami Dolphins and we'll start with the offensive side of the ball for the team. If we take a look at their team stats, total offense, the Dolphins are 30th in their passing per game. They are 25th and in rushing, they are also 30th in the league. So offensively, they have not been dominant by any means. As of right now, the time of this writing, the Dolphins quarterback situation is still very much up in the air. Rookie quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, still listed as questionable for this game with a thumb injury. week's game. Coach Brian Flores said that Tua would retain the starting role when he is healthy enough to return. Earlier this week, Tua spoke about how he feels in regards to the injury. He said, quote, I'm feeling good. I think that's a question for Coach Flores and our head trainer in regards to when he comes back. He said, quote, as a competitor, you always want to go out there and play, but Flo and our medical staff have the best interest for us, close quote. So if Tua is able to play in this game, he'll be looking to bounce back from what was his worst performance of the this season and the Dolphins lost to the Broncos. Tua only threw for 83 yards. Now, on this season, he has been primarily a game manager. Aside from that terrific offensive display against the Cardinals, his production has mostly revolved around efficiency and playing mistake free football, which is, you know, a good thing in and of itself. Now, on the season, Tua has 602 yards, he has a 61.9 completion percentage, six touchdowns, and he has not thrown an interception so far this season. Now, if Tua is unable to play, in this game, it will mean another start for the veteran Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, Fitzpatrick has undeniably been more effective when it comes to moving the ball downfield, but of course, that is at the cost of a higher risk of these costly turnovers. It's really part of the trade-off what you get between Fitzmagic and Fitztragic. Now, last week, Fitzpatrick looked solid for the team. He put up 257 yards and two touchdowns, but again, this was against a Jets team that should make every opposing quarterback look outstanding. So with that in mind, this performance that he had should, I think, be considered the bare minimum. Now, Fitzpatrick's downfield ability has led to better games from tight end Mike Kosicki and receiver Devontae Parker. Both of them just irrefutably benefit off of having Fitzpatrick as opposed to Tua. Again, that's only for this current time. Tua, of course, very obviously presents more long-term promise and upside, but as of right now, the Dolphins' top receivers seem to thrive more when Fitzpatrick is the quarterback. Now, receiver Devontae Parker is coming off of his best game of the season. He totaled 119 yards received Parker's numbers as of right now are down from last year, which is, you know, potentially a product of playing, uh, you know, in front. They're not playing from behind as much this year. Now, last year, he had 1,202 yards receiving. This year, he is on pace for 934. Now, if we take a look at tight end Mike Isiki, he has a very high ceiling in terms of his athleticism. We all know that. Last week, he displayed that athleticism on a 13-yard catch for a touchdown where he leaped over his defender to make the grab and it was contested so he at times you know showcases this ability and he has also been used as a slot receiver more than just a typical tight end now despite that Gasicki has disappeared more often than not this season he has two games this season with over 90 yards receiving but he has four games with under 16 so you know that hurts to see now Devontae Parker is last in the NFL in separation and Mike Gasicki is second to last and that is per NFL's next gen stats so not good right there. Now the running game situation here for the Dolphins is also a very big question mark as of the time of this recording. Running back DeAndre Washington he led the team in carries last week he looked pretty good but he is currently listed as questionable with a hamstring injury and he did not practice on Thursday. Now running back Miles Gaskin who has missed the last four games with a sprained MCL could be returning this week but as of the time of this recording he is still on the injury reserve list. Savan Ahmed, who had a solid couple of games as the Dolphins lead back in place of Gaskin, he missed last week's game with a shoulder injury. He too is currently listed as questionable and he practiced in limited fashion on Thursday. So that leaves you with the remaining backs, Matt Breida and Patrick Laird, who both had these very costly fumbles in last week's game. Now, Breida did display some solid bursts throughout the game. He averaged 4.5 yards per carry, but he quickly lost the bulk of the work after he had that very detrimental fumble. So Breida, who I think, you know, may end up getting buried behind Gaskin, Ackman, and Washington, uh, when those guys are healthy, he may get a shot this week as a lead back yet again. Now, when it comes to the offensive line here for Miami, they had an underwhelming performance last week, allowing Fitzpatrick to be sacked four times. Now, some people will say he was trying to run and make too much of it, and that's why he got sacked. So, okay, I'll give you one or maybe two of those but overall it was not a great performance from the Dolphins offensive line. Now luckily Solomon Kinley practiced in limited fashion and him returning would be a huge plus for the team. Now if we take a look here at the defensive side of the ball for Miami in total yards allowed per game they are 20th. In passing yards allowed per game they are 17th and in rushing yards allowed per game they are 26th. So the Dolphins defense has been the strong part of this team. Cornerback Xavier Howard has catapulted into into the defensive player of the year conversation as he leads the NFL in interceptions with seven. Howard is phenomenal at positioning himself to get these picks. Just last week, he had two other potential interceptions that were dropped, so he could have had very likely three in that game alone. Now, Howard has been targeted a team high 74 times this season, but has surrendered a team low completion percentage of just 46% when he is targeted, so that is awesome. Opponents need to learn that it is not right to throw to Xavier Howard that often, yet they continue to do so. Now, defensive end Emmanuel Ogba is having a terrific season so far. He has eight sacks on the season, which is eighth in the NFL. On top of that, he has three strips on the season. Two of those resulted in defensive touchdowns for the team. Now, unfortunately to hear, uh, Ogba has not recorded a sack in the last two games, but that could change this week. Safeties Bobby McCain and Eric Rowe have done a tremendous job at a neutralizing Opponents this season. McCain has only one missed tackle so far on the year, and Roe, who has been tasked primarily with covering tight ends for much of the season, has played a large role in the team's success against that position. The Dolphins have given up the fifth fewest yards against tight ends this year, with only 422 on the season. Now, the Dolphins' front is coming off of two games that were less than stellar, I think, against a run. Now, against the Jets, they only allowed 87 yards, but the Jets are a team that has been been struggling to get the ball going and it was one of their best games of the season. But then it was 2 weeks ago where the Broncos put 189 rushing yards against a team and that was what very likely cost the team the game. Now they will be going up against a Bengals team that has been a pretty abysmal when it comes to running the ball. So this will be a likely opportunity for them to kind of get that run containing issue a little bit under control. Now we'll take a look here at the Cincinnati Bengals and we will begin with the offensive side of the ball. In total offense, they are 24th. In passing offense, they are 18th. And in rushing offense, they are 29th. So the Bengals offensively are led right now by Brandon Allen. He is a fifth-year quarterback who is filling in for the injured Joe Burrow. Now, Allen didn't look terrible last week against the New York Giants, as it was clear that the team's game plan for this game was to get the ball out very quickly. The Giants, on the other hand, they had this zone coverage that relied heavily on making key tackles and allowing these underneath routes to be completed. Now I will say that game plan did appear to look like it worked. I mean, Allen only completed three passes beyond 10 yards in last week's game and 78, of his passing yards came after the catch. He had 136 on the game and 78 of those were after the catch. So he really wasn't throwing the ball downfield at all. The Dolphins defense though, has taken on more of an aggressor role this season. Could they implement a a similar strategy here like the Giants did against Cincinnati? Maybe the Dolphins are in the bottom half of missed tackles. So it could prove to be beneficial for them if they wanna go this route, but uh, do they do it? I don't really know. And with the way they've been playing, I think it would kind of contradict everything they've been doing, so I don't really see that happening. Now, before Burrow's injury, he was averaging 40.4 pass attempts per game, which was the most attempts per game in the entire NFL. The Bengals, as of right now, are currently fourth in pass attempts this season, but 18th in passing yards, so that shows you the inefficiency they've had. Now, considering the weakness that they've had at the offensive line and not really having the greatest weapons around them, Burrow's start looked pretty good, and because of that, some of the receivers around him also look pretty good. To name one, it's receiver T. Higgins. He is the team's primary wide receiver as of right now. He took over this role from A.J. Green and hasn't looked back. As of right now, he is second in the NFL among rookies in receiving yards with 600. 173. Higgins is six foot four and looks like a kind of less physical version of a young Devonte Parker or maybe an Allen Robinson, still a bigger frame, but some ability after the catch, a very well-rounded receiver. He has been extremely reliable and he has either 60 plus yards or a touchdown in eight of his 10 games this season with Burrow as a quarterback. It was hard to picture anything slowing down Higgins, but last week Allen targeted Higgins only five times, which was a season low for the rookie. Now receiver Tyler Boyd who works as a Bengal slot receiver is their most productive receiver this season. He leads the team in nearly all the major receiving categories including targets, catches, and yards and he is seventh in the NFL in receptions. Now like Higgins Boyd also suffered from the loss of Joe Burrow. His three catches for 15 yards were a season low in both of those categories. Now it pains me to say this next part but AJ Green is not the same player he once was. He was one of the most productive receivers of this last generation, somebody who I think is criminally underrated and deserves to be mentioned alongside the likes of Julio Jones and Antonio Brown, but he is just not the same player anymore. Green, as of right now, is tied for last in the NFL in separation with Devontae Parker, and that is per NFL's Next Gen stat. So will A.J. Green get anything going in this game? I don't know. He hasn't really done anything so far this season. Tight end Drew Sample had one of his best performances of the year last week for the Bengals. He had four catches for 40 yards, but he is not necessarily a threat that I think you have to worry about on a week-to-week basis. Now, the Bengals' running game here will likely be led by running back Giovanni Bernard, who will be filling in for Joe Mixon, who has missed the last five games with a foot injury. Now, historically, Bernard has done a great job when it comes to filling in for lead backs when the team needs him. He has also been one one of the more productive receiving backs of the past decade again with Allen as the quarterback I'm not sure if we will see Bernard showcase his effectiveness as he did in previous years but the talent and the athleticism is still there but Allen's limitations are maybe what hold him back in this game last week he combined for only 49 total yards which is a very rare thing to see when Bernard is the lead back now the Bengals offensive line has been a big weakness of the team you're probably already aware of that the Bengals quarterback have been sacked 38 times this season, which is second most in the NFL behind only the Philadelphia Eagles. Left tackle Jonah Williams has by far been the best offensive lineman for the team, while the rest of the unit has ranged from average to downright bad. Uh, Tackle Bobby Hart became an internet meme for his poor performances so far this season, with many suggesting that he is the worst lineman and not just on his team, but in all of football. Now, if we take a look at the defensive side of the ball here, for the Bengals. In total yards allowed, they are 26th. In passing yards allowed, they are 22nd. And in rushing yards allowed, they are 30th. Now, safety Jesse Bates III has been receiving a ton of praise so far this year, with many asking if he is becoming one of the best safeties in all of football. Bates, as of right now, is pro football focus's number one safety so far this season, and he is a Pro Bowl candidate for the Bengals. Now, safety Von Bell leads the Bengals in tackles this season. He had a big force fumble last week that gave the team an opportunity to score. Now, despite the solid play from the safeties here, the Bengals have given up the fourth most passes of 20 plus yards so far this season. The Bengals are also 30th in the NFL when it comes to total sacks. They only have 13 so far on the season. They are in the top half when it comes to blitzes sent, but they have the fewest pressures when it comes to getting to the quarterback. So that really shows you the inefficiency they've had when it comes to applying pressure defensive end Carl Lawson leads the team in sacks with four and a half and he is the only player on the team with more than one sack now rookie linebacker Logan Wilson has been a pleasant surprise for the team he leads a team in tackles for a loss with four which is you know not that good and he is second on the team in interceptions with two so also not really good the Bengals overall have really struggled to cause many turnovers primarily when it comes to fumbles the team has the fourth fewest turnovers caused in the entire NFL this season. Now, to get into my expectations here, before I do, I got a question on Twitter from a listener. His name is Cliffy Mack on Twitter. A uh, big shout out to you. You gave me a very nice compliment last week. My favorite part was he said, my voice is not annoying. Now, believe it or not, my voice, I think, has been, uh, you know, worked and polished through over time at the beginning of these episodes. they were pre- It was pretty rough, but, I, you know, I take pride in, you know, improving it. So thanks. That compliment meant a lot. So he asked on Twitter, uh, who do you predict steps up big on offense and on defense? So I do think these expectations will cover that. We'll begin when it comes to the offensive side of the ball uh, with these expectations. I'm expecting a great game here from tight end Mike Gesicki. The Dolphins' lack of weapons offensively just leaves a massive opportunity here, I think, for Gesicki to thrive. If Fitzpatrick is in at quarterback, that obviously is good for Gesicki. But even if Fitzpatrick Patrick is not the quarterback. You know, Chan Gailey and Brian Flores emphasize to Tua that he needs to take more chances throwing to these contested receivers. And Gasicki's massive frame just makes him the perfect candidate to take more chances too. Plus on top of that, the Bengals have surrendered 718 yards to tight ends this season, which is the most in the NFL. Now, if you're asking who I think steps up on the defensive side of the ball here, you know I'm going to go with Nick Needham and he might be in a good position because the quarterback situation for Cincinnati isn't good. So maybe that will help him look better. But, you know, I'm done doubting Nick Needham when it comes to, uh, you know, playing against these tough guys in the slot. So far this season, who has he gone up against? Like Cooper Cup, uh, Keenan Allen at one point, Jamison Crowder in two games, and he's one of the more underrated slot receivers in all of football. And he has done a good job. He has held his own. So in this game, he's going to be going up against Tyler Boyd, who, again, seventh in the NFL in receptions, having a terrific year, already regarded as one of the better slot receivers. All he has to do here is contain him to, you know, under 50 yards, which I think is realistic. And that's enough for me to say Nick Needham stepped up again and did a huge job at shutting out uh, the team's primary receiver here in Tyler Boyd. So that's one guy that I'm, you know, keeping a close eye on and I'm hoping he thrives in this matchup. Uh, I do think the Dolphins defense in this game is going to overpower the Bengals offensive line. Last week, we saw the Giants kind of utilized that zone coverage where they drop back and they allowed all these underneath routes to be completed. Uh, they took a very passive approach to kind of minimize the risk of giving up a big play. The Dolphins, you know, they theoretically could do that and, you know, maybe have some success, but I would be surprised if they don't, you know, take on a role as a shark that smells blood in the water in this game. The Dolphins defense has been extremely aggressive all season. They've been sending heavy blitzes and I could imagine them in this game forcing Allen to make these bad decisions and I just think that's the route they likely take in this game. Uh, My last expectation for this one is we see one of the better passing games from Miami so far this season. The offensive line looks solid early on in the year but after several rough performances recently from this unit it really hurt the passing game and this week's matchup against the Bengals should allow them to get their confidence up and provide some quality time for the Dolphins quarterbacks to make some good throws and this is the team you know in the Dolphins who had the second shortest time from snap to release in the NFL so it really does make me wonder what could happen if they have a little bit more time to throw and I expect they do in this game now to get into my keys to the victory for this game the first one here is to shut down Giovanni Bernard now, realistically, Brandon Allen should not be able to dice up this defense. That shouldn't happen. So the Bengals will likely try the same approach the Broncos used two weeks ago, which is run the ball. Bernard is, you know, a very capable and shifty running back. He is, you know, capable of capitalizing on missed tackles. And with his usage in the past game as well, the Dolphins have to be expecting and be prepared for a heavy dosage of him this week. My next key to the victory here is don't miss tackle. You know, that kind of plays into that last part, but the Bengals were unable to get anything going downfield and instead utilized the short passes to Boyd, Higgins, and Bernard a ton last week. There is a high likelihood they tried this again this week, and that means a secondary will have to make these key tackles, especially if the Dolphins are sending these heavy blitzes, which, you know, in a sense leaves fewer people back there for help. Uh, with McCain and Needham each only having one missed tackle on the season, my confidence in this group. Being able to succeed when it comes to making tackles is still relatively high, but that is my key here. Don't miss tackles. My last key to the victory here is don't beat yourself. This is another game that should be relatively easy for the Dolphins unless they are beating themselves. The Bengals game last week against the Giants was pretty close, but it was close after the Giants fumbled the ball in their own territory and also gave up a touchdown on special teams. Now, the Dolphins can't afford fumbles on consecutive drives like they had last week, or a muff punt, or, you know, giving up a touchdown on special teams, the Bengals' offense should struggle, so just don't give them a short field in this game. Now, guys, that wraps up my preview for this matchup. Uh, Let me know what you guys think. Is there anything you'd like for me to discuss in a future episode? If there isn't something that I covered here and you want to ask me on Twitter, feel free to do that, and I'll try to respond to you as quickly as I can. Uh, If you enjoyed the episode, uh, leave a review on the Apple Podcast app or a rate That would be a tremendous help for me, and it really does, you know, go a long way uh, towards building the audience, and it really does help me. Now, uh, before I wrap it up, though, there was an interesting story, you know, non Dolphin related, but it's national news. There was a high school senior who laid out a referee after he got ejected from a game. It was just something that was completely uncalled for. The police actually took him off the field. Pat McAfee, uh, you know, shared the video and said this is likely uh, going to end in court because it was such a a vicious hit, you know, it's really interesting. If you guys know me, you know why I'm in Texas, and this is actually from the area I reside in. It's not a spot that really gets uh, the national media coverage much, and it just sucks to see that when it finally does get some coverage in relation to, uh, you know, their sports, it's because it's such a, just a horrific thing to see, just completely uncalled for, and I had to get that off my chest, especially because it's something that, you know, is from my area and I don't think represents how, uh, you know, this area of Texas is by any means just something that was completely uncalled for and shouldn't be in football, of course, uh, by any means. So guys, that is how I'm gonna wrap it up. As always, it was a pleasure to be your host though, guys. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso and this was Via the Source.